دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی یه لحظه اشتباه از بازوکان ما فرصت برای مسافه تک به تک به طول دروازه گل برای الجزایر یه اشتباه وحشتناک از بازوکان تیم ملی ایران و ایران ثابت تو پستن حرکت قشنگ نورافکن میتونه پاس بده خیلی میبره تو ساندو گل دروازه و توی دروازه بالاخره دروازه الجزایر ما باز میکنه مرسی جهان بخشه که گل زنی میکنه کاپتن تیم ملی فوتبال ایران موفق گل زنی میشه اشتباه خوش جبران میکنه رو عقب بیاره رو عقب نمیاره اشتباه میکنه موقعیت برای الجزایر هست داخل موقعیت جریمه زمانی که زده شد در برگشت فرصت پس و دروازه ما باز میشه اینجا ببینید این توپه رو می آورد رو عقب قشنگ میزد زیرش آبت زده Hello everyone and welcome to Gobazan podcast my name is Arya Alaverdi I'm joined by my good friend Sahan Sadari how you doing man doing good Arya thanks for having me on thanks for coming on uh Today's episode will be an analysis of Iran against Algeria, a friendly match which ended 2-1 to the North, North Africans. Scored two goals coming from Riyad Benayed and Mohamed El Amin Amoura. And uh, for us, it was Jahan Bakhsh on the score sheet. We're just going to get straight into it. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening to us on YouTube, uh, subscribe to us on, on there. Uh, any other platform spotify soundcloud apple Podcasts. also if you can leave a subscription follow us on all social media and yeah let's get into it so sahand you know that the lineup itself i'll just go into it very quickly the lineup was obazade and goals moharami majid hosseini nur afghan and high safi in defense midfield three was saiza tolai ahmad nurlahi and qulizade and a front three were Uh, Tarami on the left hand side, Jahan Bash on the right, and Osmond up front. First impressions of that side? Uh, I think the glaring issue was Nurafkan at center back from the start. I mean, I don't, I've watched him play quite a lot in the Asian Champions League games as a left back for Sepahan. And even there, he was really struggling defensively against some like, you know, very mid tier uh, Asian opposition. So it was surprising to me that. Skocic went with him. I know he played him there for like a little bit against UAE, but I mean, I don't really think he has any qualities that are needed to play there. So that was surprising to me. Nekolizadeh yeah. being in the midfield was kind of expected because no Kodus, no Amiri. Um, so it was a good opportunity for him to show that he could play in that role because uh, he plays there uh, fairly frequently for his club side in Belgium. And um, those were the main... points for me that were yeah, I think most of the other selection choices were what we um, kind of expected more or less yeah well, well Nur Afghan did play um, in in that position for the U23s when he was the captain of that team uh, for a number of years and even then you could tell he wasn't particularly comfortable you know you could tell he was pretty much being forced to play there because they didn't have anyone else to play there and that um, was one of the main reasons that they failed yeah. to get out of the group I right because right. they had a good That, that team had a good, um, you know, some good players, the U-20 squad at that time that went to the World Cup. Yeah. And, and they actually performed fairly well in the group stage and only missed out in the end by, I think, a goal. If they had scored one more goal against Portugal, they would have gone through. Yeah, um, but think... that was one of the problems was that Nuraf Khan was uh, playing center back. And, you know, Skocic just come out and said after the game in the airport in, in Iran that, You know, he, he was questioned by it and he was like, you know, who would you have played? You know, he was questioning the journalists and, you know, seemed a little bit confrontational in my opinion. You know, in, in my, in, in, in reality, when Agassi came on the second half, he showed good things. He was involved in the goal. 
Um, and, you know, I don't think he has to be confrontational about that. You know, he, he's, he's asking you a question, just answer it, in my opinion. That's why I, I don't know why, why he did that. I mean, I anyway. also just building on that, though, I think that's a somewhat of a pattern with Skocic is that he's especially confrontational when he's asked to explain some of the um, choices he makes. And I think that's a little bit strange because um, I don't think the reporters are asking them in, like, disrespectful ways i mean new ref can at center back is objectively like a strength no one has done that before in club teams um i think probably for a reason and he and the idea like who would you have played instead like just the guy you brought on in the second half in place of him would have been fine clearly so i don't know why he i mean he could just i think take a different tone with his answers but i think that just kind of underlines the point of you know, how much pressure he is under and that he is, he is feeling that pressure because I remember when Skocic first was hired and even before in his other jobs in, in the Iranian league, he was a very calm, uh, like level-headed person who is kind of difficult to actually get angry or uh, irritated. And so I think that just speaks to, you know, there's obviously a lot of more pressure than he's used to. Which is fair, you know, which is fair. You know, it's not an easy situation to be in. Um, and the camp that he was given, you know, by the federation, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, it, it just it was ridiculous, you know, ridiculous camp, you know, to go to Doha and train all that and just get a game, you know, uh, that's it, you know, uh, not good enough, you know. And, and I know he spoke to the to the sports ministry before the game, um, which and the players did as well, which is always good. But how much does that is that going to impact their decision making? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how much that's going to help us in in, uh, in September. Uh, next question for you, Sans. Obviously, Taremi was at left wing in this game. I mentioned it on the previous podcast that that could be something he'll do, and he did do it. He played him on the left wing. It wasn't particularly successful uh, the way I would have hoped. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, I think. Algeria, although they played a very kind of weak side on their perspective, from their perspective, it wasn't a particularly strong side. They played, you know, they played well. They they did what they had to do, um, and they dealt with Osman and Taremi's threat. What did you think of that? I mean, I find it very hard to attach any blame to Osman or Taremi because when they're stranded, basically on an island, uh, and our midfield can't function at all and get them regular service, get them involved in the build-up play, then I think you're just, you're asking for them to, you know, two-handedly create some, you know, miracle or some chances by themselves, which they did initially, I think, with John Bach. But once the Algerians settled into the game, they found it very difficult. And I think, and that kind of speaks to some problems that we had in the qualification phase as well. And Osborne and Taremi were also isolated then, and our midfield was still not, you know, functioning properly in terms of getting them uh, good quality chances regularly. But the difference was the Asian opposition we were playing were fairly weak. I mean, let's just call it what it is, you know, playing UAE and the current version of Iraq is really not, it's not saying much. And they were able to create things, you know, just feeding off scraps and take their chances um, but in terms of build-up play, that's not going to be enough against higher-quality opposition like we saw. No. So. Well, I mean, you know, we'll come on to the midfield in, in a second. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, there were things in this game that, especially in the first half, I, I just, I almost like I was surprised that, the, that they were on the pitch. Like, for example, like, Nurahi, I don't even remember him doing anything in this game, touching the ball once. You know, I, I don't remember... You know, for example, I mean, I I remember Nurullah he touching the ball a lot, and I think that was part of the problem was that the when we were trying to play out of the press, yeah, and it most of the passes from our defenders, from our center backs, from our fullbacks were actually being funneled to Nurullah who couldn't even often receive the ball properly to then you know orchestrate the play. Like the ball would die on his first touch, and we'd we'd have a turnover, and even the you know. Yeah, come go ahead. That. We'll come on to that. We'll come on to that in a second. But there's there's a lot of that that happened during the game. You know, individual mistakes that made things difficult for us to kind of implement any plan that we did have uh, that was set. Hopefully, it was set in training camp in, in Doha. 
But I want to come on to something that's very important, I think, is to discuss the, the role of, of Gorizadeh and Jahan Baksh when they're playing in the same team. You know, most of the time in qualification, there was a, there was Jahan Baksh on the left wing, Gorizadeh uh, on the right wing, and they were coming inside. This game, they played them on the same side. Uh, you know, Gorizadeh was playing the number eight on the right-hand side in midfield three. Uh, Jahan Baksh was playing on the, on the right-hand side of front three. Um <laughs> It, I don't know if it was effective when when they when the they when they changed it in the second half it was a little bit more but again I personally believe I don't think they should both be starting on the same pitch at the same time I I always like it when there's one of them on and then you can bring the other one on if you remember against Iraq you know Jahan Bach started and then Quasari came on in the second half actually scored in that game as well they both scored in that game if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I prefer it that way. I prefer to have somebody who's going to be a grafter on one side, going to work hard, like an Amiri. Okay, we didn't have him today yeah, on against Algeria, but still, I would like to have a little bit more balance rather than just playing them both because you want to get the 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 most creative players in the pitch. Sometimes it just doesn't work for a team. I don't know if you agree with that. Well, I mean, I agree with that to an extent, but I would pose to you that you know if Kodus was available. And if he is available, in my opinion, he should start almost every game with Jahan Bach or without Jahan Bach. But that's somebody yeah. whose creativity is, you know, in a different... He's also in a creative player. Mm. But I think the difference is he takes more um, responsibility in the middle of the field. And I agree with you that I don't think Holi and Jahan Bach is a combination that should ever start together. Because um, I think... Kolisa, there's an interesting case where he's a young player who played very well in the uh, Iranian league. He was the best player, um, I think, a few years ago uh, for Saipal. Uh, that was with Doi as the coach, and also Torobi was there. And he had a really strong season. And then he went to Belgium, and he improved a lot in Belgium initially. You know, he, he had to improve physically. He had to improve with his decision-making. And I think he did do that. And it's, it showed in his, you know, his goal and assist uh, return. But I think he's hit some sort of, a, you know, wall in his development right now. And you get these displays from him almost, you know, pretty often where, like this game, you will forget even that he's playing. He's not giving the team anything on the ball, which is what he's in this team for. And you, he's not giving the team anything off the ball. And so, you know, it's really, to me, was a waste, wasted chance yeah. for him in the absence of Godus and the absence of Amiri to show that, you know, he can contribute. And I think yeah. I agree that that right side on paper, it seemed like with Mohad Rami, Golizadeh and Jahan Bash, um, you know, I agree with Scotch's selection before the game for that right side, but it seemed like they could be, a, you know, a lot of um, technical players there, creativity but they really failed to link up with each other well. And I think for Kouli it's a lot of times now in Team Medley when he starts that this is the problem with him. And I agree that I th- off the bench, he can be more effective uh, coming on when the game is a bit more stretched and then he can just you know take some more um, 1v1 situations and use his speed. But in, the, in that three-man midfield, um, it looked like he was a little bit unsure with his positioning, where he should, you know, show for the ball uh, and where he should stretch the game. And so I think it just created a lot of confusion. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I think you know, I want to come on to this before we move on to the first half performance analysis overall. You know, obviously in this training camp, a lot of problems. They even said that there was an issue of the pitches, uh, issue with the, the team bus on the first day. Uh, there wasn't enough buses to carry the whole uh, squad plus the staff. Um, you know, there was uh, obviously the, 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 this, you know, the, the heat in Doha was very, you know, very tough to train in. All these things, I think even the, the pitches weren't lined, you know, because it was pre-season. They haven't lined the pitches yet, so they had to do it themselves, like with cones or whatever, <laughs> you know. And you're in, you know, adding on to this, what we've, what we've just said, how much of what we've just said can, how much does that contribute to what we just said? You know, obviously he hasn't performed quite as or, you know, it will come into Abu as well, or Nur Afghan. How much does that side of things contribute to how they performed in this game? 
I mean, I think it contributes. I think the whole team was had a very frustrated feeling going into the game uh, in terms of how the camp went. And obviously, it seemed like they were kind of lethargic. And the Algerian team seemed much more energetic. And I think that might just be the effects of, you know, having trained in Doha for the past two weeks. But, I mean, even on that point, we had Mario Tot on the podcast and he said it was their decision to go to Qatar as the backup plan. It was the coaching staff's decision. Nobody forced right. them to go to Doha. It was an option that was there for them, but they could have easily said, look, we've analyzed the situation in Doha. It's going to be over 100 degrees Fahrenheit during the day, every day. We're only going to be able to train for a limited amount of time after, say, 9 or 10 p.m. every day, which is, I mean, that's a very limited window. And, um, and we've also could easily analyze the condition of the pitches. I mean, how hard is it to figure out, okay, the pitches that we've been selected to train on, are they in good condition? I mean, that's something that can be verified beforehand. And if the, and from that, you can just say, okay, it seems like the best case scenario now is to just stay in Tehran. We can have double training sessions a day, the weather will permit it. And then we could fly out to Qatar like the Algerian team did a couple days before the game. And I think that's what Osmoon even said, you know, he would have preferred. And a lot of the other players seemed like that would have been their preference too. So I just think, think it's weird that Skocic is complaining about that when he, that was a decision that he made. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you brought up, you know, how it was their decision. They also decided not to play against New Zealand. Um, obviously the Uruguay game, it was also rejected. Now, I don't want to get at that. They've said... Well, just in all fairness, the New Zealand game, I think, was rejected by Skocic before the Canada yes, yes, situation. Yes, so yes. initially, they were saying, okay, we could play this game exactly. in Doha against New Zealand, and then we'll also have the Canada games. And I forget if the New Zealand game was going to be before or after the Canada and Ecuador games in Canada. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Skocic was like, there's just no point for us to... You know, have the players travel, so that that I think, you know, made sense. But this was his decision. His decision after the Canada situation was cancelled, and when they said we're trying to organize some friendlies in Qatar, was to base the team in Doha. He wasn't forced to do that. Well, here's the thing, right? Look, for me personally, right, I I think the players have all kind of unanimously said that this training camp wasn't good enough. Simple as that. So when they said, when Mario Todd said to me, you know, um, yeah, but, you know, there's other national teams training here as well. And, you know, we're not the only ones here. So they must be doing something right if there's other teams here, blah, blah, blah. In my opinion, I, I don't agree with that. Look, I get what you're saying. Yes, other teams are here. Doesn't mean we need to do the same thing. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean what they're doing is correct just because they're there as well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you could easily say that. Yeah, there's 10 teams here. They must be doing something right. Yeah, Would they but... be there by choice, though? Okay, I mean, so, well, Australia, that's the thing. That's Australia the thing. had a game, a qualifier for the World Cup there. Yeah. I mean, so did Peru, so did New Zealand. Like, they, they had to be there. Right. We didn't have to be there. We have no. a training. And this idea that the Qatari facilities are, like, you know, so excellent or whatever. I mean, maybe they are most of the time. But the facilities in Tehran that we have are very high level too and the pitches are in great condition and the weather is much more bearable for the players than you know summer in Qatar so I think it was just you know and I think the federation even confirmed afterwards that the choice to go to Qatar for the duration of the training camp was Skocic's choice right he, he chose that and, so. then he, and then he also mentioned and we come back to an interview that he did with um, with the journalists in the airport he said that the, it was hard to motivate the players you know, and again, you know, as we're saying, well, you didn't have to put it in, in Doha. You know, I get it. You know, ultimately, it was a very late last minute decision. Game against Canada got cancelled. You had to go to somewhere to do a training session. But in my opinion, as you're saying, Sahan, just do it in Tehran. That, that might, might, might motivate them even more to train, you know. Um I mean, I'm not trying, and I know everyone's going to say, yeah, it's just videos on Instagram, but look, most of the time, you know, most of the time, what we saw from training was, you know, pretty much just crossbar challenges, 
I mean, I don't think that's shooting game. Total, that, I don't think that's fair. They're not going to post it's not fair to say, training. It's not, it's not fair to say, but ultimately, when you're saying to us it's hard to motivate the players, uh, they seem pretty motivated. I, th- I think I think the, the, real, the real issue is the real issue is the camp was just far too hot and it just wasn't well organized. That's the reality. That's all you have to say, in my opinion. You know, the federation didn't put enough effort in, in to get us a good training camp. That's the reality. Don't have to say the players weren't motivated, in my opinion. They probably weren't, but I think there's more to it. And I think that might be the real reason is genuinely the camp was really poorly organized. You know, um, that's just the don't, don't need to put your players under the bus and say, yeah, they weren't motivated. No. They weren't motivated because the camp wasn't organized. That's the reality. Anyway, uh, moving on to the first half performance. Um, goals conceded. The first goal was conceded. Um, you know, uh, it was a goal from, uh, I've got his name here, from Riyad Benayed. Pretty simple goal for him, you know. What do you think of that? Well, I think initially Moharami had the ball on the right side and he played a short pass uh, inside to John Bash, who had swapped with Golizadeh for that um, for that instant and Golizadeh had gone out to the right wing and John Bach came to the interior and then I, I mean that was a really amateurish mistake I and mean, we talk about John Bach and how he's had you know some goals recently and he's continued his goal scoring form in this game but I mean for a player with his experience to try a back pass that's over half the field in length and then also hit it like he did. I mean, that's a, it's a very amateurish mistake. And um, I mean, he gifted it on a plate to them. So that, that was on him. And I think then, even then there was a chance for Nuraf Khan to do something one V one to slow the guy down, to force him on his left foot, to get him away from the goal, um, make a tackle. And he almost like shepherded him to the goal. So, I mean, that just, again, goes to show that in a key situation, if you need a defender to make a defensive play, Nuraf Khan at the heart of your back line is a disaster waiting to happen. And he's not going to save you any goals. I mean, let's just be honest. If you want your defender sometimes to bail you out, you're not going to get bailed out by Nuraf Khan. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it, no, it wasn't good enough. You know, Jamal Bash making the mistake. Uh, and ultimately, it was an individual error that led to a goal. It wasn't anything really that broke down. I mean, yeah, we weren't playing great, but we weren't really giving them that many chances. You know, they had a couple of chances here and there. They probably should have a, probably should have a, a penalty as well. I mean, I think we were being during. I think on the left side, we were yeah. being broken. Down we were pretty frequently, we were, but it but... wasn't. They, they were just dribbling, you know, straight at Nuraf Khan most of the time or Hodge Safi and. Uh, and Nurullahi's positioning on some of the chances right. that they also were creating was just totally wrong. I mean, he would leave his position uh, in front of Nuraf Khan. He would get attracted to the ball. They would quickly play it around him because he was like basically pressing the loan. And suddenly they would be running right at Hodge Shafi and Nuraf Khan. Yeah. And, and those, those two guys against... are so weak 1v1. I mean, just in terms of Nuraf Khan's body positioning when he's 1v isolated 1v1 someone's running at him it's all wrong I mean he's 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 not low to the ground he's not able to change direction quickly he gave up a stone wall penalty I mean it was a total penalty and um, you know it was just and it's very difficult so we want to analyze the performance as a whole and we're saying okay you know the midfield's not working Osborne and Taremi seem isolated and I think that all stems from the fact that the defense was so unstable and we were so unstable in the defensive phase that we could never really find our rhythm um, throughout the first half. Yep, definitely. Uh, okay, um, right. Moving on to Abedzadeh, who had a pretty bad game, has to be honest, has to be said. Made a lot of mistakes, a lot of poor exits wasn't able to get a clean catch most of the time in the first half. You know, it wasn't a good performance, especially coming off his, his uh, mistake against South Korea. It doesn't put confidence in the fans. It uh, doesn't put confidence in the coach in him. And I think, again, it, we've spoken about this a million times in the podcast, whether it's Bayron Brandon, it's obviously the starters and goals. It's very tough to say. At the moment in time, 
uh, Obadzada is playing regularly for his club. Bayron Van isn't until he starts playing for Persepolis. He still isn't. So the reality is I can understand why he played Obadzada, but he didn't play well. So, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, I think that Bayron Van is a better goalkeeper than Obadzada. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think, you know, just in terms of um, his his ability to make big saves, uh, I think his aerial ability, um, I think he's a better goalkeeper than Obedzade. I think Obedzade, the one place where he's much stronger than Beirovand is with the ball at his feet. But I think we have so much trouble playing the ball out of the back anyways. I don't know how important that is. Um, having said that, I don't think, as you say, Skocic had a huge choice because Bayron Van has been playing so infrequently um, in Portugal. And the couple times he did play, he conceded a lot of goals and he was then benched again. Um, so, I mean, Albezoda has been in really strong form in, in the second division in Spain. And I think, um, you know, he, he deserved to get a chance because Bayramand also had some shaky games against uh, Lebanon. The goal was uh, in large part his fault and against um, South Korea as well. So, you know, I think that he had to go with Albed Zadeh. And unfortunately, Albed Zadeh now over the course of two games wasn't able to show a really strong performance. And so if Bayramand plays regularly for Paris Police, I think there's a good chance that he's going to get his spot back. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. Look, it's always, it's always been a discussion point. Obviously, Jose Nocini has played well for SFL as well this season. There's always Payam Niazman. I'm not saying they'll both start, but we do have good goalkeepers now in, in, in Iran. Of course, they're not world-class goalkeepers. We can't expect them not to make mistakes ever in their whole careers. They're going to make mistakes. Now, yes, these mistakes he made, were not good and they weren't what we expect from a national team goalkeeper. But again, this is what we have right now. So we have to kind of accept it. Just building on the idea that they all make mistakes, Bayron Van in the lead up to the 2018 World Cup, I mean, people exactly. act like, okay, Bayron Van was well, God for all right, us Just a quick point before you move on. Team, oh, if you remember, they came against Algeria. That's what I was going to say. The goal, that's exactly massive what I was Massive mistake as well. Right. You know, the goal, mistake. I mean, it wasn't just Algeria against Turkey. Uh, against Tunisia, Bayron Ban had very weak performances. I mean, his com- his exits for the aerial, you know, crosses and stuff were so bad during those friendlies. And a lot of people were calling for him to be benched, actually, for the World Cup. I so, was. I mean, and now people look back and they're like, oh, Bayron Ban, you know, he saved the penalty against Ronaldo or whatever. But uh, and he had some good performances in the World Cup. But in the lead up, he was ho- he was struggling. I mean, he really was struggling. And, um, you know, he even in Europe, I mean, let's be honest, Bayramad had two chances at two solid clubs. I think we would agree. I mean, Antwerp had a great season this year, I think, fairly strong season. Uh, the year before, they were playing in the Europa League. And it wasn't like they didn't give him a chance. I mean, they gave him a very solid chance, you know, multiple um, games starting. And he had a couple good games, but he also had a huge inconsistency in his performance. And he just wasn't like a mentally stable goalkeeper that they could, you know, trust long term. And then he went to Portugal. Again, he was given a chance. Uh, his competition was like a 40 plus year old goalkeeper who I think his contract was expiring anyways or something. And he wasn't able to displace him. And that's the same league that. Abed Zadeh was, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in just a season ago. So, you know, you have to be honest and say, for whatever reason, he really wasn't able to show a strong performance in Europe. And um, he hasn't been in good form. And that carried over to Team Medli. And so he was rightfully benched. And I think if we are going to say that, you know, he had the right to make, make mistakes in the lead up to the 2018 World Cup and still get the starting spot, that that possibility is still open for uh, Abed Zadeh. Right, right. Okay, uh, okay. we spoke about the midfield very briefly there. Uh, we'll come on to it again. Uh, of course, Said played 
you know, we know Saeed isn't going to be chasing players down and, and running, you know, 30, 40 metres to, you know, make a tackle. But that's what Nurullah is there to do. And he wasn't doing that either. Uh, they won't be doing that either. He's going to try and get on the ball and make things happen. Do you think we missed a uh, kind of a combative player, someone like Amiri, someone like Omid Ibrahim, who came on the second half? Um, even a guy like Mehdi Mehdipur, who I think is is pretty good overall, as pretty much all, what you want from a midfielder. Um, Ali Karimi hasn't been back playing for a long time. I think we're missing someone good and reliable midfield that can be relied upon consistently. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, is that he showed the performance of a player who hasn't played professional football in months. I mean, he played a couple Champions League games for Al Gharafa or whatever, and they lost like 8-0 in one of those. That's not, I mean, it's totally different than playing at international level. And I don't think he's ready uh, at all. So he really needs to do something because, as you say, he's, he's the person who in the past we've said, okay, this is our one, you know, this guy is always going to be in there anchoring the midfield, but he's not ready right now. He's just not in playing shape. Uh, he's not, doesn't have match fitness. He's not sharp. He made some really bad tackles. And, um, you know, he needs to figure that out. Uh, I think if we had options in midfield, he's the sort of player who wouldn't be invited because that's, you know, somebody who is his club situation is the way it is. He doesn't deserve to be invited. But, you know, we have issues in that zone. And so he's there. I think on touching on Nurullahi point, uh, I think Nurullahi has some qualities. I think he can cover a lot of ground. He's combative, as you say. Uh, he can go box to box. He's a goal threat. But I just think that the responsibility the coaching staff is giving him right now is way too much for him. And it doesn't match his skill set at all. Yeah. You know, Nurullahi is somebody who can shuttle around the field. He can. Uh, break up the other team's play. He can make very short, you know, five, 10 yard passes. Um, he can try and get box to box, be a late runner for crosses into the box, but he can't be the brain of the team. And so it's like, they're basically setting him up for failure and that he has so much to worry about. So now he's supposed to cover ground. He's supposed to be the main guy, getting the ball from the defenders, switching the play. Um, he's supposed to, uh, support the offensive midfielders and then in the second half they're playing him as a number 10 so i think it's just way too much responsibility for somebody who could be effective if he was just given you know a limited scope of responsibility all right let's pick up the second half sand uh, give me your thoughts uh i think that the second half was a um, a little bit better because we finally put on a regular center back so that it totally gave us, you know, more stability. Um, and um, even in terms of our build-up play, I think our build-up play suffers if we have somebody like Nur Afghan at center back because he he's so one-footed that um, he will often take like three or four extra touches to circulate the ball uh, where he could just take one, one or two touches and then play it with his weaker foot, his right foot. Um, so I think that that, you know, extra touches allows the other team to start their press and um, it allows them to push up the field. And then suddenly uh, we're having to play the ball long or we give up a turnover or something. So I think getting Arifa Al-Ghossi in there uh, already improved the play a lot. Um, I think Nur Afkel was still struggling defensively a lot down the left side. I know he had an assist. That was a nice assist. But uh Adam Unas, who came on, was running at him every single time. Yeah. And he couldn't deal with him. I mean, he really had no, no. no clue what to do. So, you know, we were still suffering. He was, getting, he in was that getting nutmeg and everything. It was, I you mean, know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know it was Adam Unas when he came on. I thought it was someone else. I didn't realize it was him. Um, but then when I, when I saw it, I was like, okay, that's not surprising because, you know, Adam Unas isn't a particularly great player in Serie A. You know, he's all right. One of them, he's like a decent player, nothing nothing amazing. But he came on, it looked like a, looked like Lionel Messi in his prime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that just so, shows the golf, you know, the golf and class. And the players we're going to play in the World Cup are going to be stronger than him. 
Um, and, you know, Gareth Bale, Sterling, you know, if they're running at New Rafkan, we really don't have any chance. So I think that was a struggle, but I think the, the team's play in general, I thought was a little bit better. I still struggled to see what new role he was giving to our play at all. I think he moved up to like a number 10 position. He really wasn't doing anything. this surprisingly, after doing nothing for the first 45 minutes, was still on and basically doing nothing again for another like 30 minutes. So that was very weird to me too. Yeah, you know what's um, surprising to me though? Go the, ahead. Obviously, it's not bringing on Alayar, the sad manish, sooner. You know, he brought him on right. the 85th minute. You know, I, I don't understand. You know, you, you've taken off, you've taken off Osmond. Fair enough. You know, you want to create some more chances. You want to bring on more creative players. Okay, do that. But, you know, he he brought on Milad Salak. Why? Why, we, why are we doing this to ourselves? Like, I don't, I just don't understand it whatsoever. What did Salak do? Well, I mean, I agree. I think that one thing that was strange was when he decided to bring Osmond off was exactly that, that the next person, I mean, logically, if you're taking Osmond off, you're going to bring a forward on. Uh, and that forward, I think, definitely should at this point be Alohior. And we should really be looking, in my opinion, given you know he's playing at a level uh, in England that I think most of the Welsh team is playing you know, championship-level players, um, and uh, in terms of the physicality, it's very similar to what the likes of Wales, England, and America are all going to be um, confronting us with. So I think Alohior could really be a key player for us in this World Cup if we use him properly. And the fact that he's getting like five minutes, I mean, I don't know how Sarlacc is going to help us in a World Cup. I would really be shocked if he even makes the squad. Um, so I think that was a very weird choice um by Skocic and yeah I thought even in the five minutes Alohior came on you know he he stretched the game he was already taking people on um and so yeah that was weird to me but you know ultimately I think also the way that we subbed um with three subs at half then we had the Hossein Zodeh and Mehdi Poor subs and then we had the Alohior sub late on so that's a total of six subs and I think that it really, the way that the substitutions were made, the change in system, I think we had a change in system also uh, in there. Um, it, threw, it threw the second half off a little bit, in my opinion. Um, and so it was very disjointed. We had like yeah. 10 or 15 minutes with one group, 10 or 15 minutes with another group. And so, you know, it's hard to say how much can you take away from that sort of setup? Because, right. you know, in a real game, we're not, that's not going to be, how the substitutions are going to happen. So, well, one one change that was good that I thought was quite impactful was only De Bruyne. You know, when he came on, uh, kept the ball. You know, that's one thing that's very key for us. Can we keep the ball in midfield? Can we just keep possession? You know, not let the ball uh, get overturned. And he did that. You know, there was a couple of times. Of course, he's not been playing regularly for the national team. Like the goal that they conceded, yeah, he was a pretty, you know. Pretty, not a great pass back to Nuraf Gan, who obviously gave it away ridiculously, but at the same time, wasn't a great pass back. But other than that, I thought he played quite well. When we did Brian Me, I think, uh, you know, I would like to see him in squads going forward in September, hopefully, and then in, in the World Cup. I'd want to see him. Maybe he doesn't have to start, but he, I think he should be playing for the national team. I don't know why he wasn't part of the, the qualification at all. You know, it's 13 months since he got a last call up and he's he's coming and he's done quite well. I, I don't see why he wasn't called up, in my opinion. Uh, and then, you know, other than that. Uh, I mean, he's been playing. He's been playing well for a really long time. Yeah. And when, when we spoke to talk, he said like, yeah, he had a great season. But it was like he's been having a great season for the past like many months. Um. And so it was weird to me. He seems in great physical shape. He has experience of a World Cup. Um, and given the issues that Ezzatullahi is having, Nurullahi, I mean, let's be honest, Nurullahi this season in the, in the UAE has been a rotation player. I mean, that's the truth. He was benched in a lot of key games for this uh, Uzbek midfielder in the Emirates and um, 
for Shabab Al-Ahli and you know, he's not in great form. So it seems weird that we haven't had Ibrahimi being worked into the rotation already. But I think it just points to one of the bigger themes that we need to really sort out now. I mean, let's we have two or three games left before the World yeah. Cup. And the key group of 15 players, you know, like 11 players and a few subs, is still not really obvious, at least to the coaching staff. And that, to me, is, you know getting a little bit concerning now you know we should have a starting 11 and we should have three or four players that are always you know uh, trying to force their way into that starting 11 uh, but it seems like we have a kind of an extended pool with still guys like Sarlak, Nuraf Khan uh, you know kind of lurking around the team and just kind of confusing uh, matters even more so I really would have liked to see you know, Omid Ebrahimi start this game, in my opinion. Uh, I think it would have given us a lot more balance. And I think even somebody like Mehdi Mehdi Poor, who had a strong uh, sub appearances against South Korea and Lebanon, uh, he could have been afforded more minutes too. Uh, but yeah. Second goal conceded. Um, of course, as I said, it was a, a pass back from Omid Ebrahimi to Nur Afghan, who gave it away. Um, and then uh, El Amin Amura. Finished it off, um, you know. What can you say? It, it, we'll come on to Jalan Bash goal as well. Obviously, Nur Afghan was involved in that, got the assist. But just to come on to this one first, you know, we were in a great spell in a great spell for the game. Not great, but we were playing well. You know, we were keeping possession, creating chances, and then we made this mistake again. Another individual error. It didn't come from a a mistake tactically. It was just an individual error. That's the reality. And again, you know, we can always speak about the preparation. The preparation wasn't good. Does that affect it? I think it does to some extent. But this is not good enough. You know, three or four months out from the World Cup, you know, yeah, we we made mistakes. But okay, I'll come back to the last the the last World Cup preparation. You know, if you remember, Mirad Mohammadi scored an own goal against Tunisia. Um, uh, who else? Ruzbe Cheshmi made a really, really bad mistake against Morocco. Uh, not Morocco, sorry, against Turkey, if you remember. Um, let's come back to another one. Uh, I think it was against Lithuania, I think, as well. Milad Mahamadi made a really bad mistake. And these mistakes, okay, these happen within, within pre-World Cup. But I don't know, like, the, the way this one happened to me... I don't want to, you know, how do I say it? You know, I don't want to have, uh, you know, the double standards. I get it. Double standards are very bad to have. But in this game, we, I believe, shouldn't be making mistakes against a team like Algeria who really were not that strong. You know, yeah, like Turkey we made mistakes, but Turkey's team, they had Tosun, who was on top of his game playing, you know, scoring goals. Uh, Tunisia had fantastic players play for the played their first team. This team wasn't a strong team, but we made mistakes very amateurishly, um, and it just didn't look good, in my opinion. Well, I don't really think it had that much to do with who we were playing. I mean, I think it was just a moderate, some moderate pressure applied to Nurafkan. That's what you get. The guy, he's trying to switch the play while he's running backwards. With his right foot, he's trying to play a square ball across the entire Algerian front line. I mean, if you, as a player who's like 25 years old, you've played some time in Europe, you've come back to Iran, you've played in Asian Champions League, you've been a starter. As a defender, if that is your idea of what to do when you're under pressure running towards your own goal with the ball, to play a square ball with your right foot across your body, then I don't really think you should be playing at this level. That's the truth. And people, you know, we've talked about Skocic, he's made bad decisions and whatnot. Um, You know, this is on the player, but it's also on him for continuing to select this player. So, you know, I think he has other options there. He doesn't have to play in Rafkan. He really, it does not have to play him. And so, it's going to be interesting to see, okay, 
We've seen Raf Khan now. He's been responsible for, in part for the first goal. He's 100% responsible for the second goal. He was killed all night by the Algerian wingers. And as you say, it's not even like these are their first choice wingers. They're still good players, but it's not even you know, close to the level we're going to play in the World Cup. And he's struggling this badly. So does he deserve to start again in the next two friendly games? That's the, you mm. know... You know, Skocic, he made his choice. The player failed. He clearly failed to do his defensive job. Um, and is there going to be some consequence for that? Are we going to get closer to establishing our best 11? Or are we going to keep yeah. giving chances to players that, you know, as you say, they're going to make these individual mistakes. That's mm. going to cost us in the World Cup. Right. Well, playing devil's advocate a little bit, of course, he got the assist for the goal for Jahan Bach and showed some quality to get the cross in, showed a bit of pace, a bit of desire to get forward. Um, was playing at left back when he, when he did that. And it was a good goal. You know, we, we got a nice little bit of play from Agassi, you know, into Kori Zadeh, lays it off for, for Nur Afghan, drives down the wing, crosses it for Jahan Bach, and it's a good goal, you know, by all, by all accounts uh, for Iran. Um, but, you know, realistically, that was the, really the only meaningful chance that we did create in the whole game. Really, being honest with you, it wasn't really that much. And great from Nurafgan, you know, great desire to get forward. That's what I like from him. You know, I like that he gets forward, he gets, he gets himself involved in the attack. Maybe, maybe he's just not a great defender. I don't think maybe is the operative word. He's not a good defender. He's a bad defender, but he has, you know, okay technical qualities. And even if you look at his good games for Sepahan, it all has to do with the offensive output. It doesn't have to do with anything that he's doing on the defensive end. Um, and I think he has a strong left foot. You know, he can get forward. He's an okay crosser of the ball. Uh, but ultimately in the World Cup, we're going to be asked to defend for long periods of the game. He's going to be asked to be 1v1 uh, at times, hopefully not too often, but whoever's playing left back is going to have to deal with 1v1 situations against Sterling, against Bale, uh, against Pulisic. So is he the person you, th you think can do that? I mean, I don't think there's any chance for him to do it. Um, and, you know, I think Skocic has really tried to shoehorn him into the team as like a utility player. He's played midfield. He's played left back. Now he's played center back. Uh, and I don't really think he's been convincing in any of those positions. So, you know, my opinion, yeah, nice assist, you know, good desire to get forward. And that's what we know of Nuraf Kent. He's a technical player. Uh, if he has time on the ball, he can pick out a good cross. Um, but, you know, what which of those qualities make him a good option to play center back? Which of those qualities make him a good option to, you know, uh, hold the team defensively against a strong winger in a fullback position? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, guys, we've got a lot of fan questions in this episode for this episode, so we're gonna go through them uh, as much as we can if we haven't already covered them. Um, if we have, then obviously. Hopefully we've answered it. Um, and if we don't get to your question, then obviously that's just because there was too many <laughs> to, to answer. Um, is it time to panic uh, you know, about us reaching our objective, which is to get to the second round of the, second round of the World Cup? Is it time to panic? And that question comes from uh, on Instagram, K.A. Mohebi. Um, I would think, well, we also have to keep in the context of our team that even in our other international breaks, we've always played so badly in the first of the games. Cause usually we have like two games, right. And always the first game we've struggled a lot. Um, I think the players just haven't played together for a long time. And even with two weeks of training, clearly, especially this sort of training, which is like one hour from like nine to 10 PM or something um, in still like almost hundred degree weather, they're just not, you know, they're not cohesive as a unit. Then you're trying to make right. like six subs. So it's like, you know, what it's a lot of different things are happening. So in that sense, I think it's, it's easy to overreact to them playing badly. Um, you know, we look around at our group. Uh, the English team lost four zero to Hungary. 
and they lost to them actually two times in a row in this international break. So, you know, is it time to panic for them? You know, maybe. Um, so I would say there's definitely a lot of cause for concern. I think there's still enough time to address some of the issues that we have, uh, namely making sure we get the best players on the field um, and really trying to cut down on individual errors. But having said that, yeah, time is ticking. Only two or three more friendlies, you know, so we're going to have to see a lot of improvement in the next few months. Um, of course, on the back of this um, defeat, a lot of questions regarding coaching, you know, is, is he going to get sacked, coaching, blah, blah, blah. Um, of course, whenever we speak about a new coach coming in, there's always the name of Carlos Queiroz that comes up. Um, just to clear it up, no, he's not coming back to the national team of Iran. It's not going to happen. Uh, in fact, one of our friends, uh, Amir Fahmi, who is a, a journalist for BN Sports, has tweeted that he that he's actually in negotiations with another Asian team, not Iran. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but he is not in negotiations with Iran. And 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 I think Skocic will not get sacked. He will keep his job. Uh, and I think. I think it's too late anyway to make a change, in my opinion. I think it's too late. Doesn't need it to happen. You know, if if you were gonna make a change, you should have done it a year ago, in my opinion. I've said it before, said it in the in March. If you were gonna make a change, you'd make it a year ago. It's too late now, in my opinion. Does it does it need to get sacked? No, I don't think it does. Um, you know, yes, we haven't performed fantastically against South Korea, for example, because we had some players missing against Algeria, not a great performance, probably one of our worst under Skocic. But to say you have to sack him, no, I don't think he needs to get sacked. Is it? Is he going to be... Is it, is it, does that mean if we don't sack him, then we're going to do badly in the World Cup? No, not necessarily. I don't think that's necessarily the case. That's my next question for you, Sahan. You know, if, if let's say, the, the, quote, the, the question comes from Aaron Rahimi on Instagram, he asks, if and, and only if this becomes the last friendly, what positives can we take away? And is there any positives, you know, for Scottish? Well, I don't... Well, first of all, I don't think it's going to be the last friendly. I think we will have two to three more friendlies for sure. In terms of positives, I think there's some positives. I think the main positive is that certain players played so badly that it's going to be very hard to, you know, justify trusting them in the starting lineup in a world cup game, uh, at least in the roles that they were, you know, initially uh, given. So I think he's hopefully he's one step closer to verifying his core group of, you know, 14 or 15 players. But um, besides that, I think it was good. Omid Ebrahimi showed he's in shape. He's ready to go. Um, and I think he'll be called up for the next camp. Um, yeah. Besides that, do I think that, you know, there was a lot of positives to take away? Not, you know, not really. But hopefully it was a wake-up call for all the players that they're going to have to really, you know, up the level of their game. The federation is yeah. going to have to up their level of preparation, up their level of support to the team. Um, but yeah. Um, the question comes from Better Call Medic on, on Instagram. He's asking, um, is there a friction inside the team? You know, you know, we saw the interview that Osmoon did with um, with the Iranian TV show uh, uh, Football Bartar. You know, he, he's saying how we'll actually clip it here if you want to uh, hear it in Farsi. حتی ولز که همه فکر میکنن ضعیف تی ضعیف ترین تیم تیم ولز باشه جلوش بتونیم به راحتی بازی کنیم ما موقعی که فصل تمام میشه تو نیاز داری به ریکاوری ذهنی 
فهم امیدوارم که به تیم ملی کمک کنن که با این که این اتفاق فعلا ما ندیدیم همه چیزمون رو هواست سرمربی ها قرارداد ندارن تدارکاتمون که این همه زحمت میکشن پولی دریافت نکردن اینا هیچ حرفی نمیزنن شما باید به این چیزا احترام بذارید موقعی که تیم یک دل نباشه اصلا شک نکنید که تو تیم برزیل هم داشته باشی نمیتونی نتیجه بگیری که دیگه تیم ایران با منطقی باشیم یکی از ضعیفترین تیم‌ها داخل گروه هستیم اگه بخوای منطقی نگاه کنی بدون تعصب ولی خب ما شاید جام جهانی قبل خوب بازی کردیم خوب نتیجه گرفتیم به خاطر اینکه تیم یک دل بود و اینکه الان تیم یک دل نیست خیلی بده یه چیزی من به شما بگم من هر قولی از فدراسیونای قبل تا الان بدم من دیگه باور نمیکنم هر کی بیاد عمل کنم قول برای من برای من چی چه فایده ای داره عمل کنن یه میه مرد بیاد اینجا آقا عمل کنه نه اینکه قول بده اوکی منم قول میدم 10 سال یه کارخونه میسازم 2000 نفر میخوام بیارم یا 6 میلیون نفر میخوام بذارم اونجا چه فایده ای داره من باید عمل کنم من مردم باید عمل کنم تدارکات دکترا اصلا هیچ پولی دریافت نکردم بابا اینا وظیفه شونه باید اینا چیز کنن اینا هم از کار زندگیشون میان برای تیم ملی میذارن اوکی این برای ملت ایران ولی دیگه باید دستموزی باید بهشون بدم اصلا راجب اینا هیچ حرفی نمیزنن وقتی راجب این چیزا حرف نمیزنن قطعا راجب ما هم حرف نمیزنن you know he's not playing he's not sorry he's not she doesn't trust the federation and he wouldn't trust them if they made promises and you know he's not happy with you know them not following through with their their promises and it's a it's a real concern for him that they're making all these promises and these things are being said but nothing is actually being done and i think he's completely right you know as i said before there's been you know all this talk about yeah we're going to bring in new sponsors we're going to have a new jersey for the national team we'll start we'll I mean we're still using the same one we used before in the last qualification match so that's not changed there's going to be a logo change for the federation i mean these are minor things but you know these are small things that they keep saying that's going to happen what doesn't happen okay let's go into the major things you know we're going to have friendly matches we're going to play three or four we only played one okay the game against canada got cancelled as i said and i wasn't i was in the belief that they should have they should have saw that one coming you know the canada game in my opinion was always likely to get cancelled at some point So in my opinion, they should have had a little bit more foresight to say, yeah, they need to have a good plan B. For the plan B to just be to go and train in Qatar, I think was a little bit premature in my opinion. Um, so yeah, the, the Federation has, I think, has been a big, a big uh, issue that in p- potentially causing friction in, in this team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it can go two ways, right? Because we've had problems with our Federation. I, I think the last Federation that's performed well was Kafoshiang. I think he, he had some gave some stability to the situation and you know most of K Roche's requests I think were fulfilled during that time. Obviously not all of them, but like we had some good friendly matches. I mean we used to play like Sweden, Chile, um, you know. But I think it can go two ways. I think that Skocic can use the issues surrounding the team to bring that group of players together. And I think Kairosh did that effectively. Um, so, you know, that speaks to Scotch's man management skills. If he can use that to galvanize the team and create kind of like a siege mentality, then that can maybe even get an extra 10% from the players. Um, but yeah, there needs to be, I think there's a feeling of right now that, you know, the team feels so somewhat abandoned Um And, you know, it's finding it difficult to concentrate on their work. So I think yeah. it can definitely lead to friction. Okay, next question um, is being asked by a few people, so I'm going to name, but basically it's about the formation and, and how we set up for the World Cup. Uh, a lot of people are, are asking regarding, you know, playing a back three, a back five. Um, we played a back three, three, four, three against, Uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina a couple of years ago was a really good game and I think that was probably one of our best games under Skocic if I'm being honest with you I think we played really well and that was one of the only games that probably actually the only game we didn't have Osmond and Tarami playing 
and we played really well. Um, you know, and <laughs> look, look at the England game against uh, Hungary. Hungary played a back five, back three. You know, they kept it tight and they scored four goals. Um, I think with the players we have, you know, we're not particularly... I don't know how to say it, but I don't think defensively we've been great. You know, we've shown great things. Uh, you know, obviously not conceded a lot of goals, but we haven't really felt secure. We had there's been times where we've got a bit lucky as well with uh, you know like offside or for VAR, blah blah blah. So I think I think it would be good to cover some gaps. I'm in the belief that you always need that extra body in midfield. You know, whether you go three five two. You know, that's good. You have the extra body there to kind of to compensate if the other team play a three in midfield as well. But then if you play a 3-5-2, there, there's always, you know, not always, but sometimes there's this perception that if you play a 3 5 you're going to leave your 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 wing back 2v1 with the winger and the fullback. Not always. Of course, people can come across and help out, but there's this perception that it can happen. Uh, you know, but I, I think for Iran against England, for sure, I think a three at the back formation would be quite effective. Would you do it against USA and Wales? Probably not. I think you'd need to go a little bit more, you know, match them, you know, one, you know, match, try and match them, you know, uh, like for like. But against England, yeah, you need the extra bodies back. And I think even, this is going to sound controversial, uh, even to the, to, the, to, the, to the extent that you don't even start one of Osmond and Taremi. In my opinion, sometimes that might actually work. You know, it might actually be more effective to just start one of them. You know, again, again in the 2018 World Cup, they didn't both start all the, all the time. Sometimes it was one of them on the bench. Sometimes that might actually work. It doesn't need, doesn't just because there are best players does not mean they have to start both of them together every single game. No, maybe for the benefit of the team, you don't play one of them against England, but against Wales and USA, you do. So I think I would like to see it. I don't know what you think, Sam. Well, on the first point about the formation, I think it only it only makes sense for us to go with a three, you know, three five two, or at least three at the back formation versus England. I mean, they've shown now consistently that they kind of struggle to break teams down when they line up in that system. Um, given the fact that a lot of times they play with a three themselves and that they have you know very strong wingers and fullbacks. Uh, I think we almost have to go with that formation because our weakness, our biggest weakness is our left back and right back areas, especially 1v1, especially left back. Uh, you know, whether Hodge Safi plays there, Nuraf Khan plays there, those players are not good 1v1 defenders. And um, I think a 3-5-2 will minimize that. Because, um, you know, you're going to have an additional center back who's going to cover the wide zone. Uh, you're going to have the fullback slightly advanced, but he can tuck in and totally cover that area with that, um, that center back on his side. Um, and I think that allows you to then say, okay, we can actually incorporate a player like Vahida Amiri as our left wing back. So we can help out in the midfield. He's a better um, defender, I think, 1v1 than uh, Nuraf Khan or Hodge Safi. And I think that can really cover that weakness that we have in that zone, especially if there's like a quicker central defender that's playing um, alongside him, like Majid Hosseini on that side. So I think that's effective. I think I'm not really sure. I think Ozuna and Taremi should start together. I think it just gives the opposition so much more to think about than if they're not together. Um, but the question is, you need to make sure. And also, I think Taremi, you know, contributes so much off the ball if he's used properly that it's not good. It's not like they're defensive liability. You have one right. forward in Ozmoon who's the point, who is strong in aerial battles. If you give the ball somewhat close to him. Um, you know, he's going to work hard too. He's even been playing midfield recently in Germany for Leverkusen pretty effectively. So I would definitely start both of them, but then it's a question of, you got to keep them in the situation of the game. You can't let them be on an Island. So, and for that, I think the role of Godus is going to be really critical because he's the only player I think in our squad that can link up the play, who can break the opposition press, uh, who can keep the ball and who can find those guys with more, 
regularity. So yeah, I think, you know, playing him in a three-man midfield with two defensive midfielders, I think that could be definitely something we should consider. And even for the, you know, U.S. and Wales games, if it works, you know, for the England game, I wouldn't even be opposed to um, keeping that system because I think it hides our biggest weaknesses, which is, like I said, the fullback zones and also the central midfield zone. If we're getting three bodies in there, I think that's definitely needed. It also helps by Daimiru. I think it's very important to this team. You know, playing him as a left wing back, for example, you know, maybe you have only De Brahimi or Metipur or even Nurahi next to them in the midfield of Saeed and Kotus. And then on the right, you could have Moharami, for example. You know, that's a very solid midfield, you know, with players who can keep the ball, but also by Daimiri he can always contribute to the midfield. You know, if you, because if you, if you, if you put, let's say, Vaidamiri on, uh, Nurullahi on, and Said on, you know, you, you're, you're losing creativity. But if you have Vaidamiri and Nurullahi and Godus, you know, now you've added that bit of creativity and you've got two guys who can run for you as well, which is obviously very, in my opinion, very effective way of, going, of thinking about it. Um, and also, just building on that point, I mean, Godus again, it's not the same as playing a Kolizade in that role. I think Kodus showed this season in multiple games, you know, he is even playing as a right wing back himself at times. And he is able to do, you know, that defensive responsibility and contribute off the ball. I think he's very good in the press in tackles. I think he's because of his low center of gravity and, you know, he has a high IQ. He can predict where the player is going to go. And I think even on the defensive face, he can be a big help, you know, much more than somebody that Kolizo did there. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that's pretty much all the questions we've had, we've got. Yeah, pretty good there. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have games in September. You know, I, I really hope that the federation go forward and try to organize it as soon as possible within the next couple of weeks. Ideally, of course, knowing the federation. You know, they might leave it late, uh, the same way I did in my exams in school. You know what I mean? They leave it very, very late, and it just doesn't seem to, to be beneficial to the team. You know, you have to do it quickly, but unfortunately, it takes too long for them to get through to that. So we'll see what happens between now and September. Sani, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's really it. You know, I hope as well that the Federation, you know, this time I'd like to see that you know, at least a month before the September games, everything is settled. The teams we're going to play are known. Uh, the itinerary is known. The players are going to join on what dates. And uh, in my opinion, it might even be worth it, you know, to have the domestic-based uh, players uh, join slightly early um, and bed them into the camp and maybe evaluate a few of them individually. For sure, for sure. All right. Guys, hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you have, please leave a, a subscription on, on YouTube uh, or on any other podcast platforms. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be back very, very soon with some more interviews. And take care. Thank you. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray from ESPN and EA Sports. You're listening to Gold Bazan Podcast.